Welcome to It's a Fit Life Creation Podcast with me, Katrina Julia. I'm a lifestyle entrepreneur and a transformation coach. Jumpstart transformation to time to transform, to boss brand, to money maker, to inspiring with influence and more. So let's create. And I lost over 55 pounds four years ago with the help of Herbalife Nutrition, Meal Bags, Team Edge, NASA, a certified public accountant. I've served in over eight industries, generating others over seven to nine figure results consistently while having my own money in chaos to create a life and a business I love. It's about the passion, the purpose, the people, and the profits to create a life and a business you love. Tune in to the stories and the journey as we create It's a Fit Life Creation. another episode. Welcome to It's a Fit Life Creation. I am super excited about today's episode, the power we hold within and focusing on creating a life and a business we love and giving back. And today I'm here with Jessica Hansen. I met this beautiful soul at Travel Bloggers Conference this past year at TBEX with um, Rick and with Patty, and she hosted an incredible session um, on sustainable travel with Michaela and Oh, the People You'll Meet, and she has an international background, Thailand influences, views of young age, of developing countries, refugees. She went to University of Oklahoma, Lester, which my brother actually also went there, we found out, TEDx speaker on the power of we and how tech connects us for good. She was a Kiva Global Engagement Manager and most recently, a Social Impact Manager at Lyft. And one quote that stands out to me as if you're not already like, wow, about this woman and just learning about her, talking with her today, was that Carlos said about her on her LinkedIn profile, a heart of gold combined with a drive to get things done. So welcome, Jessica. We are so happy and I'm so grateful to have you. Thank you so much. What an introduction. I, I just feel like humbled and grateful to have had any of those experiences and to have people say such kind things, including yourself. Awesome. I love it. So tell us about you. Tell us any couple highlights, three to five highlights, thinking about your past, how it's shaped you and all these choices, your early years and call your early years as a child college, your drive, these impacts to, you know, the power we hold within and these impacts to do and be social good. Yeah, I think we all have fascinating stories that um, take us all through our lives and continue to influence us decades on. And it's really interesting to look back uh, at my youth, uh, mostly growing up in Oklahoma, which is sort of small town Midwest, but also having the combination of a Oklahoman for a dad who has a farm still to this day, 
Um, and he fought in the Vietnam War and met my mother who um, is from Thailand. You mentioned Thai influences and getting that shared perspective from both of my parents about poverty um, and challenge and struggle in the places where they grew up and then coming together and trying to create a better life for my sister and myself. Um, so even just having windows into both of those worlds as a young person was very influential. Um, and I really struggled being in a small town. I think something inside me really, much like my dad who joined the Air Force um, from the small town, uh, just wanted to get out there and understand it um, and to have some taste of it and experience. So uh, I did start university in Oklahoma, but then I, as you mentioned, continued on. I went to Leicester, which is in England, um, outside of London for undergraduate. And I also met someone um, at an airport and I ended up spending a little bit of time in Greece doing a project there. And then went to graduate school um, in Sydney, Australia. Uh, and from Sydney, worked at a, an, I did an internship at a place called the Center for Refugee Research, where we supported refugees, um, particularly trying to end rape and gender-based violence against refugee women and girls uh, in East Africa and Southeast Asia. So my youth was very pivotal. My college years were very informative. I was coming from this town in Oklahoma and getting to experience the wider world, really learning that I could kind of stand on my own two feet and make a difference. Um, and my dream all through this had been to work at the UN. Uh, that was my like high school dream. And I did my first internship at the UN uh, in my early 20s and did some work for them um, and realized that it wasn't as aligned with what I wanted to do long term. Um, it's very bureaucratic. It's a lot of governments trying to work together that don't totally function perfectly on their own. Um, and so it's very <laughs> challenging. And I think there are some people who are cut out for that kind of work. And I just learned it wasn't where I felt like I was having a lot of impact and able to like learn and change course really quickly. So I went the opposite direction of most people and went from a very big institution like the UN um, to smaller and smaller NGOs. So I started at the large end of NGOs at the International Rescue Committee, which is a refugee organization founded by Einstein, um, among others, and uh, really well known and doing fantastic work, but yet continued to like move to smaller, more agile startups mm -hmm. and found myself in rural Kenya, which was a pretty pivotal moment. I left like a high-paid, well-positioned job um, with a very distinguished organization to go be an unpaid volunteer on the border between Tanzania and Kenya for a while before I moved here to San Francisco, where I live now. And that was a very pivotal, transformational experience to be on the ground there long-term. Um, and then making a decision to come back to the States and try to build a life for myself in basically the most expensive city I could imagine um, while doing nonprofit and social impact work. So that's sort of the winding course that's led me where I am now. And I've been, as you mentioned here at Lyft for two or three months now. Um, so this is the latest pivot. Sorry? On the front end of that too, and a whole new journey. Absolutely. Wow. So many things that you said, do you want to add anything else? No, no, that's a good starter. <laughs> so many things that you said. Wow. Um, going back to your parents and going back to kind of the history there. So as you said, like even as a child reflecting on that, your dad was from a small town, but that he also felt this desire to leave, to experience the world and yeah. he that leap of faith. And so you saw that growing up or at least you experienced it. Maybe you didn't see him actually physically do it because then he went to, you know, overseas, met your mom, et cetera. But you knew that was part of your history. And I think that's also why we clicked so well, because just my story of my parents meeting, you know, in Bulgaria and then taking the leaves of faith to Poland, then to the U S and just so many things as far as being aligned. So you knew, so that about your dad, then he met your mom and, you know, and figured it out and made things work. But at the same time, you, they both had this extreme difference of United States of small town versus being in Vietnam, past histories, past influences, past choices. How do you think also 
with that in mind, like just thinking about those leaps of faith, those leaps of faith, those choices that back then they didn't have the technology that we have today to text in an instant, you know, how do you think that's shaped you from a mindset aspect and the power we hold within? I was very fortunate that I did actually see, I didn't, uh, go on very many trips with my dad when I was young, but I saw him come home from Turkey. I saw him come home from Saudi Arabia, from Korea, um, while he was still at the Air Force. And so even though I didn't have as much access to connecting to people there or anything like that, he would bring home trinkets and bring home stories from all around the world. Um, and I knew I had family as well, as we were talking about in Thailand. And my cousins in Oklahoma were were just biologically as close to me as my cousins in Thailand, but yet I was growing up in this U.S. Uh, lifestyle um, and really wanted to know more about how my you know first cousins on the other side were experiencing life and how it was different, what opportunity they had that was um, you know fair, and what what they weren't accessing in terms of opportunity that maybe. I or anyone could help with. Um, and so even though I didn't have direct access to them because of the family connection, I think it was so useful to bring everyone together um, in terms of like all being part of the same family and me understanding how my cousins in the States differed from my cousins in Thailand. And also like my family in the States connecting to my mom and seeing what she brought from her background um, made people more interested in being able to travel. I, I won't say that they were very interested when I was very young about seeing the world. And as I've grown, they, I've seen my U.S.-based family be braver and braver and bolder um, and take leaps of faith themselves to go abroad. Uh, but it did definitely inspire me to see my dad, who was constantly traveling, to know that it was possible. And I think not many kids in Oklahoma um, get that exposure. Or even across the world. And I mean, and to your point, basically what you were illustrating is that the seeds he was planting, known, unknown, by showing you, hey, this is possible. It's possible to be here, but it's possible to go here, 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 here and experience that. When was the first time, like going back to childhood or in general, that you did experience like the Thai, the Thai influences in that side of your lineage and your um, history? My mom brought Thailand with her. Um, so there is very beautiful Thai dancing that a lot of women do in these beautiful long garments. One of the ones I remember from childhood is the long fingernail dance where they put these like cone type things on the ends of their nails. And when they do this hand gesture, it's so beautiful. Um, and so my mom was part of kind of a wives of Air Force and military people who brought home um, spouses and partners from around the world and even though they were removed from their home they could connect with each other and like keep their culture alive and have friends who had a shared background and understanding so even though my mom was away from thailand there were other people from thailand from laos from burma from vietnam from all around mm -hmm. um, and so she had a great little community um, and she has always gone back she's actually going back to thailand in a week or two um, but she goes back very consistently. So my whole life I have felt an understanding because she can't even help it. She just is Thai and always will be. <laughs> it sounds like my mom with Poland. Like we would have you reminded me for show and tell. I would put on like the Polish um, outfit that's the Krakowski Struy, which basically means like a dance outfit from Krakow. And she would make like these Polish treats and like just so many different things. So I could totally see that. When was your first international trip as a child and or by yourself? A great question. I should ask them this. I The first one I can <laughs> remember with them was going to Thailand and stopping in Japan on the way. My dad worked with a lot of people in Japan um, and had a lot of colleagues from there in the Air Force. Um, and so I do remember that trip from being young. Um, on my own, the, well, without my family, I was not traveling solo, but when I was 16, I borrowed money from my grandmother as a loan so that I could go with my Latin club uh, to Rome and Florence and Venice. So 
So I was 16 years old and I was very obsessed with Latin. I took it for five years. Um, and it was really amazing to be traveling without my family and just be with people my age and exploring a new place. Um, and to get to do it with school was pretty fun and exciting as well. That's amazing. And then that kind of reminds me also, if you think about it, like you set up your first microeconomic loan. That's so true. It was a 0% interest loan <laughs> from my grandmother to fuel my travels. <laughs> and your future social impact. So how do you think also looking at that, like the background, what you saw in Oklahoma with your dad, with, you know, his military background, with your mom, how do you think that also, and seeing, you know, all these extreme examples of, of wealth, right, from different cultures, different companies, how do you think that it impacted your views on money, doing or being what you love, and then also just different views of money across cultures, within yourself and or cultures? Yeah, I, it definitely heavily influenced me. I think for, for both my parents, um, money has been a struggle. Uh, certainly in Thailand, there is poverty. My mother's family wasn't in extreme poverty in Thailand by any means, but uh, in general, the levels that they experienced in terms of like access to um, resources and wealth and things, it was a struggle. And then on my dad's side, it's pretty much the same thing. Small town, Oklahoma, farmland, um, military didn't really pay that much either. And so my whole life, there was a, a feeling of scarcity, I would say, um, and that money is bad and it's hard to get and it's so elusive and it's not for us and we'll never have very much. Um, we definitely shopped at thrift stores, which I was very embarrassed about when I was a kid and all the kids had the cool new shoes and mine were already like obviously worn. And um, yeah, I just, it was very embarrassing thing and like kind of shameful to me that we had so little when some of my friends had really nice houses and their parents drove nice cars and they were always dressed really nicely. Um, now I have been so humbled by seeing how much wealth I actually had, even by just having shoes and clothes and, you know, my dad having a car and all that kind of stuff. Like I was definitely blessed, but I didn't see it in that way when I was young. Um, yeah, and so it's it's been a long journey for me to see wealth as not a bad thing and as actually a wonderful thing and something that I deserve and that I am worth and that I want to share with others. And But it has taken a long, long time to get to this place. Yeah. I love so much of what you shared and I relate and resonate. One, the first thing I want to say is how you closed it. The deserving and the worthiness and the sharing it. And funny enough, and you didn't even know this, part of my morning routine is I do a series of statements about what I'm worthy about um, and what I'm deserving of. And I think most of us, we didn't grow up with being told those things. And that's because they didn't learn those things and they didn't learn those things. And it's recognizing, you know, our own priceless worth that, you know, one, we're priceless human beings. We're worthy of freedom. We're worthy of love. We're worthy of abundance and we're deserving of it. And, um, and then also sharing that with others. And then to your point, I definitely relate. I mean, you know, my parents met in Bulgaria, you know, heavy communist country influence, which as you know, still exists today. And you can imagine the, you know, the, the influences and the impact, you know, from decades of just impact, influence, Russia, so on and so forth. And then um, my dad being an entrepreneur from a young age, but then not necessarily having the education or different things when he came to the U.S. Then my mom, Poland. So in Poland, she grew up in a family that they had a store actually now two stores in a small, tiny town in Shmielov, which is about three hours out of Warsaw. But I joke that, okay, the, the census sign says 10,000, but I really think there's a hundred people in this town. Wow. So, and then the conversations around money, like I still remember I would serve and my, one of my favorite things to do when we would go in the summer was serving at my grandma's store and helping, you know, count out money. And, um, I still remember the conversations around money. 
whether it was then or later, just, and like many of us in, in any culture focused on lack, you know, what's missing, where do you not have enough? And then you hit on this too, where we tend to compare in our physical space and especially in, you know, any country you're in. But like you talked about being in Oklahoma and I saw that, you know, experienced the same thing in Houston seeing, oh, well, all these kids have, you know, when I was in middle school and high school, Jabot, Z Cabaricis, Guess, whatever it was, right? Harachis, the Nikes. Well, mom, I have to have that because if not, my life is going to be over. Versus when I would go to Poland or Bulgaria, it was this like, you know, and still to, you know, to this day in different countries, it's, oh, um, you know, you live in America. Wait, how much money do you make? And then comparing it to their standard of living. And it's like, wait, guys, that's not apples to apples. Mm -hmm. My grandma and I would have these conversations, but also realizing to your point that, you know, even when we thought we were missing, when we compare to whether it's a Vietnam or a Thailand or, you know, different places or pockets in Morocco or in Egypt. I mean, so many places around the world, right? Like we, we have so much abundance and so many different things Or even when we look to our own cities, you know, I went to Atlanta mission earlier this week where, you know, their focus is helping in homelessness in Atlanta. We have 7,300 documented people on the streets in Atlanta. Wow. You know, so I think even here in our own cities, in our own, you know, states, we yeah. forget it's like, you know, and, and one book I was listening to earlier this week was just talking about how, you know, 50, a hundred years ago, there was a lot more semblance, you know, and this was, the book was speaking in generalities of, well, if I have whatever I have to, out of, I guess, I don't like to use the word obligation, but I feel drawn to out of my heart to help more people. Mm -hmm. and, I, and there's definitely people that still hold that. But there's also this energy or this focus on, well, I barely have enough for X. So how can I give to Y or not, are not shifting that mindset or that perspective to say there's 7,300 people sleeping on the streets in Atlanta right now. Mm -hmm. So to your point, you talked about this before we started recording. I love that Lyft is partnering with Airbnb to help with displacement, whether it's hurricane related, you know, uh, refugee related, whatever it is, because it's another illustration of an entrepreneurial company also doing good. Absolutely. You know, and, and, and I will also say, just sorry to interrupt you. Um, something that you made me think of is as someone who travels and I know you do as well, and you've been to these places where um, it is a greater struggle and kids maybe are not as focused on, I need this pair of this or that because their struggles are different. Um, just having gone back to the village that I was living in a few years ago, uh, on the border between Kenya and Tanzania, I just went back earlier this year and it reminded me how generous people are and comparatively like people who have so little of their own but we'll, we'll give you the one chicken they have. They will roast that for you against all your protests or they will, you know, make that last pot of chai with the, the little sugar that they could afford at the market. And when you visit other places where people are being a little more protective of their money, but they have a great abundance in, in very um, traditional terms of an abundance of finance, um, yet they're more protective of that wealth and, I just love the generosity of spirit that you get as you travel the world. You just see people with so little give so much. And, and I love that you said that because it's, it goes back to the illustration, right? Of scarcity versus abundance. And what's been sitting even on me more and more is like, be in the energy of you have. Yeah. The, whether it's, you know, the people, whether it's the community, whether it's the millions to billions, like to your point, you know, part of like, for me, it's like, it's giving direction to money because I realized years ago, I wanted money to simply have money. You know, mm -hmm. once I got a certain point, oh, well, I want this stuff or I want that stuff. But then I realized going back to college, you're going back to little Katrina. Well, no, I want more money really to give more money to help more people. 
and to help end homelessness, to help, you know, end cancer, to help battered women, to help military vets. So it's like be in that space or be in that energy or be in that community to give and be and always operate for more than enough. Even if you maybe don't see that in that moment, like perfect illustration and you have no idea how you're impacting anyone because yesterday, amazing friend of mine that I met five months ago, April, if she tends to, she might listen to this because she'll be a podcast feature coming up too. Um, we met through Buckhead Business Association meetings, started connecting on wellness, on different things. Uh, one thing led to another. We connected again. We connected again. We connected again. We, a um, couple more times on different things. Then we met up yesterday at Eat Flower Child, which is like a healthy concept restaurant that just opened in Buckhead. That's amazing. And um, she, um, I had no idea. Just, it was on my heart to, and I don't share this to share it with an intention at all of bragging because it's relevant to the conversation. It's strictly to focus on abundance. And, you know, I tell people like my life is by no stretch of the imagination. Perfect. So don't think the positive attitude has to do with perfect. It's a choice to be happy. And, um, it was on my heart to regardless buy her lunch because I was like, this girl is amazing. She's connected me with so many amazing people at Georgia state. We're having so many phenomenal conversations about integrating entrepreneurship, innovation, hands-on education to a whole new level, you know, with them, the least, like, I, like I haven't manifested X, Y, Z with them yet. But there's so many things already in the pipeline and I see it, you know, just like before you went to lift, you already had different steps happening before you were physically there. Mm -hmm. And I said, the least I can do at this moment is buy her lunch. And she was like, are you sure? Are you sure? And I could see this like resistance or this hesitancy. I'm like, April, yes. Like you've opened up so many doors. You've been so amazing. This is the least I can do at this moment. Then we start talking, you know, about different things. And then she sits down and she's like, you know, um, and our, our third lunch person that was uh, supposed to be there already for whatever reason she was late. And so nothing happens by accident, right? We were mm -hmm. talking about different things. We took a couple pictures cause they had this amazing colorful wall that said, choose happy, funny thing. Aww. So perfect. Um, you can see it on my Instagram and, um, in any event, she says to me, you know, you didn't know this, but you just blessed me with that lunch so much. And she said, because of the timing of my promotion, my next pay, basically my gap between the last pay or the last pay to this pay has been longer than I expected. So things are very, very tight for me. And I said, thank you, April, for being vulnerable. Thank you for sharing that because you also have no idea what I'm walking through on so many different leaps of faith aspects right now and just trusting the process as an entrepreneur, as a mindset, as trusting that things always somehow, some way work out. And if I'm not taking care of the people that are in my circle or that honor me or that bless me in whatever way, in whatever way I can do my part, then I'm not operating from a state of abundance. And I love that you said that people that on the surface may have this much. And, you know, in scripture, they, it talks about this. So regardless of what you or anyone believes that it literally illustrates that point that the person that has a little, but that will give all like that comes from the heart and inevitably that's always returned tenfold, infinity fold. Absolutely. That's so beautiful. It's beautiful, your story, and also like that greater lesson um, that has been shared for who knows how many generations, but it is still so true and you, and you still see it and it means so much more even when you see people coming from struggle but are like, here, take my last piece of bread, take my last... You know, or they have, you know, they're sleeping on a cot or they're sleeping in a dirt home or whatever it is, you know, in so many countries that I've seen. And it's like, no, let me treat you like a five-star guest. You know, Egypt is a great example of that, of what I've experienced. Let me go above and beyond in so many ways and um, honor you. Absolutely. So I love that. So um, tell me, let's talk about now your present. Let's talk about with that past in mind, 
who you are, all these incredible experiences that you've had, what you love, um, also like your mindset, your mindset. And we talked about this some before in one of our initial chats, your mindset now versus what it was maybe five, 10 years ago and making that shift to uh, startups, things like that. Why you thought we would be a great fit, you know, kind of along those realms, some of the things that we've talked about and what you're most proud of yourself for. I'm going to try so hard to remember all of these things. (laughs) (laughs) Everyone that you mentioned, I'm like, Oh, I have an idea for that. I'll recap backwards because probably some of the listeners are like, Whoa, Katrina. Um, who you are and what, what you love in your kind of present state from all, from the past influences and then who Jessica is today. Okay. Um, I love that. And, and I would, it's so fun to try to sum yourself up when you know, like your best friend or your mom would do such a better job. Um, but I think of myself as a humanitarian um, by far, just like my general role in life, whether it is serving my friends and my coworkers and my community, or whether it's serving the world at large, like if I can give my time, energy, life over to like making life easier, safer, helping people have more access to opportunity and choice um, and safety all around the world. Like in general, that is who I want to be. Um, I'm a social butterfly, which is so funny because I'm an introvert, Uh, but I just love people, Um, learning about people, traveling and meeting new people. Um, I I was just talking about to someone how the things that have become most important to me are my connections to others, my connection to myself, and my connection to the greater world that I live in, Um, and always trying to do my best for all three of those audiences and protect them, steward them, um, improve them in every way possible. So I feel like that is like the big gist of me. And then the, the lower gist of me that's probably less interesting is I'm a major nerd and I'm a major traveler and I'm a major, like, um, I'm the happiest person I know. I think that kind of goes into the, your mindset, um, example, uh, people always tell me that they thought I was fake when they first met me because I am cheerful and happy. And as you mentioned earlier, is a choice. It's, I wasn't like this. I definitely in different points in my life have suffered with depression and PTSD and different things. But even with all of that, I still consider myself one of the happiest people. Um, And I generally try to embrace the attitude that of worrying about something or being sad or angry about it doesn't change it. Why bother? Um, it's only going to impact me in a negative way. Uh, and so I try to really exercise a pretty positive mindset and just enjoy what time I have and be really grateful for what time I have and what resources I have and the ability that I have to impact my own life and others. Um, so yeah, that's kind of my summary. (laughs) So a couple of things on that. I totally relate and resonate too, that I am totally a natural introvert. I can spend infinite time by myself. But then to your point, it's, I love being around people, but especially like high vibe people that like visionary or being willing to be visionary or how can we impact or change the world or how can we, you know, evolve or how can we influence something positively or, you know, shift a situation or whatever it may be. Right. But to your point, it's also connecting with where people are in that moment, mindset wise, because sometimes they can get there or they want to get there. And just like we've been there at different points, but it's like, sometimes it requires that kind of handholding, right? Like even earlier, you know, having a different conversation, a different conversation, it was okay. Education is here today, right? You know, formal education, for example, And, you know, tuition is increasing rapidly. The starting salaries of typical jobs has not. So you're putting people in not a sustainable situation. Mm -hmm. So economically, basically supply inevitably is going to go up. Demand is going to go down. And so part of the conversation I had is, well, education has a choice. It has a choice to shift 
um, just like Blockbuster had a choice to shift. And some will survive, those that choose to transform, and some will not. And it's just like anything else. It's like iPhone 10, right? It is an iPhone 10. It's not an iPhone 1. If someone still has an iPhone 1, likely it's not working. Right. So it's, it's, you know, realizing and just helping and realizing also some will choose to not go along to elevate, to elevate the energy, to elevate that, you know, now we have cell phones and tablets and a hundred years from now, we'll also have something different again. Um, so with that also in mind, um, oh, there was something else besides the shifts I was going to mention the introvert. Oh, the nerd. I totally resonate with the nerd. (laughs) Yeah, I'm proud of it. It's something that I think I was embarrassed about when I was young, and I like that being a nerd is much cooler now. It's much more socially acceptable. (laughs) Another funny story, and I wonder if you have one like this too. I was in advance. My mom and I talk about this all the time. She's like, why did you do this? I was in advanced placement classes in high school and then I dropped out because I was like, none of my friends are in here. And like, everyone is not like, like, I can't talk to them. They don't really talk. Yes. I actually, my parents, probably their saddest memory is that I dropped out after my first semester at university. Uh, I had done all the AP stuff. I'd done all the, you know, president of Latin club and honor society and all that kind of jazz. And I was certainly on a particular trajectory, but I had this other side of myself and I was like, what am I doing? And I hadn't quite realized that I could go to school abroad. And so my first choice was to drop out and move to Long Beach, California and try my hand at being a professional skateboarder, which I did (laughs) not accomplish. I was not professional, Uh, but my parents are just like, what are you doing? (laughs) This is not in line with anything that you have done. This is totally you having like a midlife slash teen crisis. Yes, but it was one of the best times of my life. I'm still friends with everybody I skateboarded with out there. Um, Can you send me some pictures for the promo video of that? We'll see if I can dig those out. Those those are before the time of digital anything. But my parents still ha- have my photos at their house, so we can probably find some hard copies. If it's easy and it takes like less than 30 minutes, that would be freaking a rock star. Yes, back in the 90s, we did not have as much digital technology. Um, yes. So, um, I didn't, I didn't like drop out of college and move to do this, but I used to skate professionally when I was in, uh, middle school roller skates. <laughs> oh my gosh. Mind blown. Amazing. I mean, I just see all the reasons you ask the why, why we're good fit and like everything you say, like, this is why. <laughs> it's like this nerd, right? But then you want to conform, but then you want to be crazy. And it's like, I think I posted this the other day on Instagram. I said, you know, because I started seeing all these things about people talking about niche and marketing and this and that. And I was like, I don't like that. Like, I get it that some people like that, but I don't like that. And I, you know, it was just like sitting on me. And then I posted this post. I was like, with a whole bunch of like this colorful wall, like all these colors. And I, the messaging behind it was, don't try to put me in a box. Don't try to put me in a niche unless it's human. Unless it's multi-passionate, unless who I am today is not who I'm going to be tomorrow. Like that's the only thing you can possibly put me in. Yep, exactly. This freedom fight, right? Like don't try to conform me or try to predict me. Yep. And I think some people love that and they love having the safe space, but I could definitely see where you don't. (laughs) I don't. And I think that sort of like taps into what you're saying about shifts. Um, I always had this struggle where I was kind of shy and I didn't really own my own power out in the world. And like, uh, I wanted to be brave and I think I had a streak of it in me, but I didn't totally know that I could exercise it. And it was, it's been a long pathway to, to learn my own power, my own agency in the world, to be brave enough to like speak up in a, in a boardroom full of men to like, stand up for myself or what I know is right when I'm in the field and there are armed people that are, we're having a a conflict about how refugees are being treated or how women are being treated. Uh, And so that has been a shift in my understanding of my own power. But also I think 
back to why I think we connect so well and where I see all of this fit is also that power, but also the, the financial aspect of it, like understanding that I deserve that, that I'm worthy as we were talking about before your story of like your personal health and your weight loss journey really inspires me. I have struggled with those same things. And I think I got into a mindset where I thought things couldn't change. And same thing with finances. I thought I, I was stuck. And as long as I allowed myself to believe that I was, I was completely stuck. And it took really believing that change was possible. And I have been able to do that in my professional career for other people. I have been able to go, you are living in dire poverty, or you are living in an unsafe space, or you have no access to education, but I believe in impossible things and I can make the impossible happen for you. And we are going to do this together. But I didn't believe it for myself. And my mind shift most recently has been to start to embody that in my own life and go, I live in San Francisco. It is very expensive to live a life where I am comfortable and can support others as I want to. I need to have financial abundance um, to have some of the things I want and to do some of the things I want to do. I can have physical fitness and feel good about my body and feel strong and feel like I can climb that thing or swim that you know, and um, so that has been my biggest transformation in my shift. No, I love that because it's, it's, it's realizing that deserving, it's realizing that abundance, and it's realizing that power that we hold within to stop recreating the past, to stop being fearful of the future. And I was reflecting on this myself yesterday that I'm like, wow, like back to what you said earlier, there was plenty of times that, you know, I also dealt with depression, i.e. being stuck in the past. There was plenty of times that I was fearful of the future, but it was like, no, this moment right now is really what matters. What can I do right now to shift a transformation in my mind, in health, in money, in business, in someone else's life, whatever it is right now. And I think, you know, a lot of times, and it goes back to what we talked about earlier with um, you know, like you were talking about just now, the retraining or the shifting, you know, and how we grew up. Like I didn't grow up in a household as many of us, you know, where these things were talked about. You know, this wasn't a normal thing 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. Maybe it was, but in smaller circles. And we didn't have social media or, you know, podcasting's existed now 13 years. You know, you had to pay to have a commercial. So it wasn't as accessible to share your voice and your story. And, you know, and our parents, you know, our parents, you know, typically ended up uh, kind of following maybe a trajectory from the past or shifting it still massively like your dad did or, you know, or your mom did, but it still wasn't in the sense of more than enough as far as financial freedom. Yeah. You know, or at least the mindset wasn't there yet. And that's mm -hmm. We observed as children, and I realized that yesterday when I was thinking about that, I'm like, you know, that's a lot of what's been driving me since childhood is freedom in all forms, mm -hmm. you know? So, so thank you. And then the other thing that you just talked about totally resonates. Like I could totally see you standing in the middle, like talking about your power, standing in the middle of, you know, armed guards armed, whatever, like things that people can't even fathom, you know, that are listening, dealing with, and like basically being bold faced, standing in your power. No, you're not going to do this. So major, like, like way to stand and own your power and knowing it's not just about you, but knowing that the more you stand in your power in that moment, you're now creating a space for these other women to see you standing in your power create access for them to have a different life and a different journey. And then also for them to now have an example of how they can stand in their own power too. Absolutely. So amazing. And then it reminded me not at a refugee camp, but I was at a refinery uh, years ago and I had to get up. It was, I had to be there at like a 5 a.m. safety training and it was like 50 men most of them didn't speak English. And, you know, part of my debrief there was to talk about safety, but also compliance and different things we were requiring them to shift for compliance that ended up, you know, in resulting in safety impacts, return on investments, ended up 
resulting in financial, all these different things. And some guy started to say something smart or whatever. And I turned around and snapped at him in Spanish because he said something like white girl, da, 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 la huera, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And I turned around and I said, La huera habla español. Entonces, si quieres, like, if you want to say something to me in Spanish, like, we can do this. And, every, and I didn't even think, because I think some of the best moments sometimes is like when you're standing in your power is to just to be and do and don't stop yourself. Just go Absolutely. with that feeling and that passion. And like at that moment, Jessica, everybody started laughing because I was wearing a black suit. I looked like your typical corporate chick. And when I did that, like the level of respect and relatability and the fact that I could speak Spanish and how I owned my truth and I didn't let him snap off everything in that. Like, and we were outside, like at a refinery, 5 a.m., pitch dark, LA, Long Beach. So you know what I like kind of vibe I'm talking about. I do. About. <laughs> <laughs> like there's bars on the windows. So I wasn't, oh my goodness. Yeah, but it wasn't the safest place either. I love it. That's such an amazing story. And at that point I had their full attention and I, re- I ran the rest of the meeting in Spanish. Cause I was like, I love it. it. Thank you. But I totally relate to that. Um, so you talked about that. You talked about, um, the aspects and then shifting from the aspects of the, you do deserve it. The, the creating that new neural pathway, creating that new habit, taking the action. And then the belief, the belief is huge. So from an aspect of belief. So also for those tuning in and listening, it was very different for me. And I was just talking about this with Jackie too. When I worked in corporate, And when I was serving in someone else's dreams that, oh, I'm serving for their dreams. They're rating me on this performance. I'm getting paid for this. It was like a conditioning, right? And it's not that it's bad. It's just different Mm -hmm. versus when I created and started to, and I had side hustles at the time, but a side hustle is very different than a full-time versus when I started to create within fit life creation, the strategy, the structure, the systems, the income streams. But the biggest, the biggest leap as an entrepreneur for me was creating and not just creating, but doing the PR, asking a Jessica to be on a podcast or, you know, in other avenues or asking, you know, XYZ university for a meeting or XYZ tech meeting or creating and cultivating that relationship and realizing Katrina or anyone out there, you know, Jessica, anyone out there listening? This is no different than when you did this for X company. It's you're still sharing your passion and purpose, which is actually even more profound. You're inviting people for the journey to create community. You're inviting people into relationship. How they choose to continue to connect and create, cultivate is their freedom and is their truth. But it's the same thing that you were doing before, but it just feels like Mount Everest in the beginning. The belief and it's having that repeated belief and then transferring that like you talked about to other people. Hey, I believe in me. I believe in you. You can believe in you too. Yeah. It's a we thing. Absolutely. Beautiful. Beautifully put. Thank you. So what are your, along those lines, what are your impacts that you are the most proud of? throughout your journey and where do you feel like you've learned a ton? Well, the, where I've learned a ton is everywhere, but I think I, I learn the most when I am kind of pushed to the highest challenges and those challenges can be varied. It can be a really difficult living situation. It can be a hostile environment or an environment where, um, things that you are used to, like clean running water or access to food are not as accessible. Um, those are where I learn the most, for sure. Um, and just from people, from connecting with people like you. And um, every time I speak somewhere, I get to meet so many innovative and interesting people. And it sparks ideas and sparks me down pathways I couldn't have imagined. And impact, I have been so fortunate Um I was telling some people, I was in Mexico uh, last week, and I was telling them about what we're doing here at Lyft. We helped get 
you know, tens of thousands of people out to vote this week in the United States at Kiva. We empowered millions of people with finance who had no access to finance to go to university or start or expand businesses. A lot of my work has been protecting women and girls and making sure they have access to education or just trying to help end extreme poverty in my lifetime. I think it's possible. And I've been part of a lot of projects that have done that or resettled refugees to new lives around the world. So yeah, I'll, I've, there's like, it's hard to choose which to feel the most excited and honored to have been a part of. Uh, but you know, some people struggle with their purpose and their passions. And I feel like I have been so lucky to have my, my passion and purpose completely in alignment with my actions for a really long time. So I just am pretty locked down in who I am and solid on, on what I'm doing and get to go to sleep at night knowing that I'm fulfilling that purpose every day. That's amazing. And that's so beautiful. And from an aspect of knowing that, like you said, the journey unravels, the journey continues. Like I didn't know I was going to meet a Jessica, you know, from those angles. Uh, and, and it's, it's that part of, you keep going and you're in alignment, but then you're also open to how the journey happens, how it develops, how you get to make those impacts to serve and give back. So it's amazing. So with that in mind, where do you see the future going for Jessica, for yourself, for your passion, for your purpose? Who do you see yourself as? You know, how do you see yourself growing? I am growing a lot right now. It's a completely different world to be in a corporate environment that is so committed to values and doing great social good. Uh, so I am excited to see what's possible with these resources and everything uh, you know, at our fingertips here, uh, but also just continuing on that journey where my mind is shifting into my own personal growth and abundance and worthiness and figuring out how to develop and hone those, but also wield them so they are of use and of service to others as is like my greater purpose in life. So we'll see if this, this corporate path works. I'm very happy in the, in the UN space and the nonprofit world as well. So um, I just want to continue having the best and biggest impact that I can in, in making things better. I absolutely love that. I forgot to mention, it's funny that you mentioned UN too. My brother and my sister-in-law both work at the UN. <laughs> I feel like I've passed your brother somewhere along our life's journey. So we'll have to connect at some point in time. You know, Jessica Hansen, because she went to Leicester. She was at UN as an intern. Like, this is like, it's so crazy. They, he's we were destined to be friends. Literally. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, I meant to mention that earlier, but like the conversation's gone so many amazing ways. So... From an aspect of, is there any specific, so obviously you hit on like, as far as purpose, like helping and poverty. So that's obviously huge in you know, this lifetime and impacts. Um, so I would say that probably falls along like your impacts that you want to make because there's no necessarily specific timelines. There's no specific money. It's like whatever it takes and the transformation and however you get to evolve in that process, as well as different people or community that will come alongside that. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I think a good kind of general call to action is like, if there are brands that are aligning themselves with strong values and with missions that align with your passion and your purpose, align yourself with them, whether it's working for them or being a customer or client of theirs or a supporter, donor, investor, like there's so many ways to encourage brands and show them that their values matter and that when they're not living good values and exercising those, people take notice and, and they won't hit their bottom line that they're looking for. People are more aware than ever uh, whether or not brands are aligning with um, the things that they say they stand for. So um, Lyft is one of those, but uh, I can name so many more. And uh, I would just say the best call to action is to, to choose those when you have a choice, choose the ones that are doing good in the world. I love that. Cause it goes back to the integrity and it goes back to the alignment and realizing you know, in this day and age, we have the choice and it goes back to the power of, you know, the media now, the power of social media, the power of connection that we have so easily, you know, and you talked about this in your Ted talk, you know, the power yeah. 
you good? Like, Sorry, I'm getting kicked out of this room, so I'm just going <laughs> to talk into the hall. Okay. <laughs> I didn't realize we were up on our time. I know, I just looked at two. It was just like blowing. I was like, oh, wow, it's almost 6.30. Hashtag first world problems, right? <laughs> yes, I'm peeking to see if there are. Oh, there's one. Oh, someone's stuff is in it. It's okay, and we're going <laughs> to leave this in because it's totally authentic for people to see. <laughs> You just roll with it. You don't freak out. You just stay calm. You just roll with life. Literally. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny because probably 10, 15 years ago, I'd be like, what? How dare they? Don't you see you're in the middle of an important conversation? <laughs> if only. If only it was so important. So, right? <laughs> so with that in mind, actually, your last comment was like a perfect lead in to the next, you know, point is that the stories of our lives and the message of listeners, it goes back to, like you said, that people having the power to choose who they do business with, how they do business, what brands they choose to invest in, what brands they choose to align them, you know, selves with, whether it's, you know, a car sharing service, whether it's Airbnb, like I'm sitting here, whether it's, you know, supporting another entrepreneur like Jackie, whether it's, um, you know, the shoes that I buy, the clothes I put on my back, I mean, the hair products I use, the nutrition companies I utilize, whether it's Herbalife Nutrition, you know, meal bags, whatever it is. And then also I think a big thing is, and you hit on this to a degree, is the authenticity. I think not only are more people paying attention to brands, I think more people are paying attention to people as far as authenticity. Mm -hmm. And are you utilizing, you know, different brands or different things that you have a relationship with and, or that are doing good as well? Definitely. So anything else that you want to mention to the listeners, as far as any messages, as far as passion and purpose or anything else you want to leave them with? Hmm. Wow. I, I feel like some of the most important things we, we already hit on, which is just like the power of human connection and not knowing where those connections will lead and just how important they are overall. Um, believing in impossible things, uh, both for yourself, whatever walls and struggles and obstacles people are coming up against and believing that change is possible and that you are worthy and deserving of whatever it is that you know, drives you and aligns with your purpose and passion. Um, and uh, community. I mean, it goes back to the connection, but building and supporting and cultivating community and um, even that community out to um, the people that we keep in our circles, the brands that we align ourselves with, the nonprofits and charities that we support, um, where we show up in life and how we show up for everyone else in our, in our community, whether those are people directly that we interface with and we buy lunch for, or those are people somewhere around the world that we can help in some way. Um, I, it's important how we show up and uh, grow and build and sustain those communities. So. I absolutely love that. Thank you so much. Of course. Um, so how can they get in contact with you as far as following you or any social media channels or anything else? And we'll definitely include those links too. Yes, I will have to. I know I'm Jessica P. Hansen on most channels like Instagram and Twitter. Um, and yeah, I'm happy to share like my email or anything that would be useful. You can, I think I'm Jessica P. Hansen on LinkedIn as well. Um, so yeah, I'm available through so many different social channels. <laughs> Thank you so, so much for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, Jessica. I'm so grateful to have met you through TVX. So major shout out to Rick and Patty for having you and just your talk and Michaela's on sustainable travel and just everything. And thank you for everything that you're doing with your passion, your purpose, people, and just impacting the world and, um, just excited and amazed and transformed and inspired uh, just to watch and continue to watch your impact. Thank you so much. And I could absolutely say the same of you. Um, you are reaching so many people and helping them not only be their best selves, but be their best selves out in the world and how they impact the world. Um, so it's so inspiring to hear your origin story and how far you've come and what you're continuing to do and just like get to be in touch with this, this beautiful, bright spirit that you have. Um, so I'm excited to continue staying in touch with you and see where you go from here. Thank, Thank you, Jessica. Thank you for tuning in with me on It's a Fit Life Creation Podcast. If you haven't already, 
head on over to our fitlifecreation.com website, follow us on all our social channels, and explore our freebies library. You'll find freebies on health, freebies on wealth, freebies on biz, and all-in-one. Explore at our experiences, events, influencers. We help the community and influencers get healthy, make money, and build brands. To create a life and a business you love.